Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Disruptive Voices in the Pacific. Right now, I'm sitting at McDonald's. We've got some loud music in the background, so, you know, this podcast, we're going to be serenaded with some doof-doof music, but I'm sitting here at McDonald's because I'm with um, Joey. What's your last name, Joey? My last name is uh, Derlani Mati. That's why you've got to say it. Um, and you work right across the road at USP, so tell us a little bit about your work there. Yeah, thank you, Leticia. It's awesome to be here. Um, I work uh, not with the university, but at the university, and I work with a ministry called uh, Fiji Campus Crusade for Christ. And my ministry is uh, focusing on young men and doing evangelism and discipleship with them. Yeah, no, you've been doing that for over 10 years now, so that's awesome. Um, again, can you just give us a bit of a context of um, how old you are? bit more about what you love in life and do. Yeah, I'm 32 years young. Um, I love sport, uh, particularly uh, outrigger paddling. I love being on the water. Uh, and I think I also love food. So food is a big part of my life. So 32, and you're single as well. Yeah, very much single. What, what's happened? I've enjoyed my singleness, to be honest. And uh, I think... I just haven't met the right one yet, uh, but my parents have been praying for me, and I've been praying for myself, but uh, yeah, I'm sure she's somewhere on the corner. Mm. Is that an adver- advertisement? Can people call me? <laughs> no, this is not a Joey advertisement, but uh, he is a good guy, um, and I think you're doing signal notes really well. And today we're going to have a bit of a conversation around what it means to be a kingdom man, especially as a young single man. Uh, I think sometimes here in Fiji and anywhere, I think uh, our men are confused over what it means to be a man, um, what it means to live in this society, especially a highly sexualized society, uh, a selfish society, a money power driven society. Uh, so how do we live according to God's word that way? Um, so. How would you describe or define what it means to be a kingdom man? Um, before I get into that answer, which I think is, is simple, but also complex in, in some way, I'd like to say on record that as much as I love Jesus and I walk with him and I'd like to think of myself as a, as a kingdom man, I am not perfect. And so there's many, there are many areas of my life that I still struggle in. There are many areas of my life that people know and have been on the wrong end of my personality and behavior. Uh, but if I were to answer that question, I think uh, being a kingdom man, being a real man, begins with uh, an understanding of who they are in God. And I say this because I, for most part of my young life, uh, before I turned 21, I was living a life that I thought uh, was a life that uh, was demanded of a man here in Fiji. You need to be strong. You need to hide your emotions. You need to uh, be a provider, and so I lived with this concept, which is which is all good things, yeah. But I think um, I had put that above uh, a relationship with God, and it wasn't until I met God um, where I truly found security and uh, true manhood in Him. Uh, and so I would say it begins first with a walk with God. Um, you need to understand who God is and walk well with Him and uh, live moment by moment with him. I think a sensitive heart toward Jesus and living a life uh, with him will go a long way and pay dividends uh, as you walk with uh, and live this life. 
and figure out what it is to be a man. Yeah, yeah no, that's fantastic. Um, and I appreciate you saying you're not perfect, because um, none of us are. But the fact that you're willing to say that, that's kingdom living, is <laughs> acknowledging our own brokenness and being humble. Because uh, we have all made mistakes and um, many people can look at us and <laughs> point the finger. But we're, we're doing a journey, aren't we, with um, God. Now, I've had you um, in the past come on our Bella camps here in Fiji. We do a, a guys panel where we bring in some good young men who are following Jesus. Uh, we ask you a bunch of questions. The girls write out questions. Again, because uh, I think for a lot of girls, they're... Um, uh, their role models of men haven't always been good, whether it's been in the home, maybe they've been in an abusive home, maybe they've had an absent dad, maybe they've just uh, been on the wrong end of boyfriend's actions. So um, helping them know that there's good men out there is so important. And so I remember on this um, panel, we would ask you, I remember asking you, um, what do you find most attractive in a woman? Do you remember what you answered? Yes, I do. And uh, that was if she found uh, her identity in Jesus. Uh, because if she found her identity in Jesus, then she would know she's fully loved and cared for and whole, even before she met someone that she would think she would like to explore a romantic or explore marriage with. I think that's really important for young women to understand that they're wholly loved and cared for by the King of Kings. And when that's settled in their heart and in their mind, um, a relationship becomes uh, so much more fulfilling because they're already, they're not a half looking for another half, they're a whole looking to share life and live life with another whole person. Yeah, yeah so important. How dangerous is it, and, and this is why I'm working so hard with the girls so they can understand their value, how dangerous is it when a girl comes into a relationship expecting the boy to meet all her needs? I think it's, um, this goes two ways. For a, for a girl who thinks and feels that way, she would be utterly disappointed at the first moment she sees weakness or she sees that um, her boyfriend can't fulfill everything. And when she realizes this, it will be such a disappointment to her because she's lived her life with this kind of expectation. It's very unrealistic. And for the guy, it's dangerous because if they don't know how to deal with it, um, they're not able to share what's going on inside. So they become more and more less of a man for themselves. They feel that way. And I've been in a situation where I've felt less and less of myself because I could not feel or fulfill uh, someone's need. Mm. Tomorrow night, I'm doing a session with single women here in Suva encouraging them to live boldly and beautifully for Jesus in their singleness. And we're talking about three things, finding healing, because we've all been broken, knowing your value um, in God, and then finding your purpose. And I think when we can find that in our single years, that equips us to be far better equipped uh, in our marriage, doesn't it, um, that way. But I love that because I, I've just seen too many young women go into relationships thinking, he's He's going to fulfill them. <laughs> and it ends very um, bluntly. On the flip side, um, and I love your answer, what you, what you find most attractive in a woman, because most girls are thinking, oh, the boys just want us to look a certain way and we've got to have all this outward appearance. But um, this is a kingdom man is looking for something much deeper. On the flip side, what, what are some of the more unattractive 
qualities that you see um, come out of women? Hmm, this is a good one. Um, I want to be careful with what I say. <laughs> but I think it would be uh, a sense of... Um, it could be the way that she interacts with uh, with a man. Like for me personally, I find it very unattractive if a woman doesn't have respect uh, for me. Um, and when I say that, that it's quite broad. Um, so I have to be more specific. I think in the way that she um, she views me as a person, or my my appearance, or even my behavior and attitude, and my whole person. If she doesn't have respect for that and thinks or makes fun of me in, in whatever way, uh, not jokingly but intentionally, I think that's very disrespectful. And when I feel very disrespected by uh, a woman, I feel that very off-putting. And so I uh, immediately uh, I'm shut down. And so I, I limit my interaction with them just to avoid that uh, uh, yeah, awkward situation for me. Yeah. I think many men would say that. I've heard my dad say it many times. Men want respect. Women want love. Men want respect. Um, we both need both. But, um, yeah, and women can be very cruel that way as well. Um, you know, if I was to ask you, um, and I think, again, pulling out some of these questions from the panel at the camp, um, what, you know, a lot of girls, you know, have guys come to them you know, a guy, say 15 or 16, might come to a girl and say, I love you. <laughs> what Can you give us a bit of an insight into what is going on in a brain at that age? At 15 or 16, whew, when they say they love somebody, it could be genuine. Right? It could be genuine, but most of the times they're very physically attracted to the person. They have no idea who they are, what they are, and how they are like, this is plainly from uh, a physical standpoint. They are attracted to them physically, uh, so everything is coming through their eyes. They just see what they want to see. They are attracted to that uh, person and uh, they, f they equate that attraction to love instantly. But it really doesn't, uh, it's not real love, not at all, no. What is real love? Real love is uh, displayed perfectly. <laughs> on the cross. It is uh, sacrificial. It is a choice. Jesus had a choice and he chose to die for all of us even though we, we didn't deserve that. So I think love is takes time to build. It takes two people to be real and understand who they are, faults and all, and still choose to uh, to love and care for that person. I think that's, that's true love. Yeah, yeah and um, it's something that just doesn't pop up overnight. Um. <laughs> So, so I, I, I would say these boys have learnt to know how to sweet talk the girl, really, because um, for the, a girl the word love is like, oh my goodness, I'm going to marry him and have his babies. <laughs> um, and generally, yes, the guy can get what he wants out of her, but then he moves on to the next one. You know, in the culture of Fiji, what would, what would Fijian culture say a man should be? Uh, good question. Fijian culture, the man is definitely the head of the home. Uh, but as far as defining what the head of the home would look like, it's almost authoritative in every section of their home. From decision making um, to his place in the home, I think food serving, 
Uh, when I say food saving, the man always gets served the food first. Um, I think that that would be a traditional setup. Like uh, I've just seen, and I've been to villages, uh, and I am Fijian. I grew up in a not so much a traditional Fijian home, but I had uh, I'd also seen that in my home where uh, where dad was uh, made a lot of the decisions. Uh, yeah, I think that's as much as I can say. Yes, and that would um, definitely equate to what I see. I, I get the general vibe that. Men would think that they're more important than women. Uh, and I, I guess on the flip side, again, the outworking is that I see real low self-esteem in this nation with women uh, more than ever because they haven't been given a voice or they, have, you know, they haven't been treated like an equal. Um, and so in that way, I see the culture affecting the women. Um, and so that's why we like to talk about being a kingdom man because as Christians, which apparently 64% of the nation is, <laughs> um, we should be living that sacrificial love. Um, totally opposite, hey? So somewhere the churches aren't quite passing the message down. Um, a lot of the Fijian culture is still uh, in the church. Is it possible to turn that culture around, do you think? I, I think it's possible, I think it's possible, but it will be a, a great work that would need, uh, that would really need needs, uh, God's intervention, I think. It's so much more spiritual uh, work than it is a physical one for us. You, I mean, we can, we can, the saying goes, you can, you can preach as much as you'd like to a congregation, but it doesn't actually take into effect unless people are actually going to act on, on what they hear. You can be hearers of the word, but if you don't do it, then uh, it's, it's pointless. So I think with uh, our society, the way it's set up culturally, you, we'd have to look back in history. This has been going on for eons, right? Right from uh, before the missionaries came to Fiji. Like this, this structure has been there during that time. So it's going to take so much more uh, effort, I think, on our part, but really a deeper trust in God to bring about these changes as we take steps of faith and as we plug ourselves into society and create awareness about this. Uh, I think it's, it'll definitely change, but it'll take some time. It's not an overnight, uh, yeah, it's not going to happen overnight. Definitely not. It's generational, isn't it? But so I just thought the other day, man, if every, every Christian, every man who goes to church in Fiji, if he loved his wife, as Christ loves the church, that would turn the nation upside down. Um, we, we love to quote, I'm the head of the home scripture, but um, we don't read three verses later to <laughs> lay down your life. Uh, we could turn a nation upside down, but maybe next generation. What are you seeing with, um, you said you work with young men um, over at USP. What are you seeing, are you seeing in a younger generation that they are different or are they still perpetuating this um, culture of, um, I guess it's what we would call patriarchal, when the man's in charge, he's more important, or are they wanting to do things different? Um, man, that's a very good question, Leticia. So if I were to look at uh, the man that I'm currently involved with here on campus, I would say that the number one issue is actually trying to figure out how to be how to actually be a kingdom man. Um, some of them are still very young, and so they're still exploring what this Christian life is like and what Christian living is like, let alone how to be a good Christian kingdom man. Uh, 
so as far as uh, this traditional setup is concerned, I don't, I can't see that. I can't see that uh, on campus at the moment. Uh, because if we look at uh, just some data, some statistics, we have a lot more uh, of our young women who are leading in spaces. Yeah. So between between, uh, and maybe it's because uh, the culture around men and leading in Christian circles, they, they can find themselves to be quite shy. So we found actually historically with our ministry that uh, a lot of the women step up to do a lot of things. Uh, and so, yeah, I would say maybe uh, it would take a, a great a bigger more commitment on my part to find myself in in spaces other than campus maybe in their social spaces at home and to really see uh, what that's like for them but I would say it's uh, I think we've got a good culture one where we respect uh, the role of the woman and men and we are seeing us hold hands and do ministry together which has been very beneficial uh, for our movement uh, to have women lead in spaces and to also have men lead in spaces mm. What do you see that um, the women bring that men don't, your women leaders? Okay, let, let me just say this. It's fun when we do things together. Right? Like when, um, and I have a good friend, uh, and he always says, it's always, things are just so, so much more fun when there's women there involved. Right? They bring a, a more, um, yeah, a fun way of doing things. They have a different way, a different look uh, at strategies. If we're going to run like a conference, they have a, a much more creative mind in that sense. And so I think what they bring, um, what I've seen with our women, our student leaders, with the women, they're quite bold and outgoing and uh, they have this natural sense of gathering people. So this one here, I think, would be the biggest one for our ministry and what I've seen. And I'm not saying it's the same for, for a lot of um, other places. But here, with our ministry, we've seen women, our student leaders, who are able to gather people um, and create community. And they just have, uh, they have a warm woman's touch to it. Because uh, men can be a bit rigid. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so that's, that's what I would say the biggest strength is. They just have, a, they can gather people and they're much more warm. And it's just fun to do things with them too. Yeah. And it smells better too, having some women there. <laughs> Not that, not that you smell, Joey, but um, some guys do. <laughs> um, <laughs> couldn't help that one. Does. Um, now, now I forgot my question I was going to ask. Yeah. I keep saying, you know, we're both made in the image of God. And when we only have men, we only see the male image of God. Um, and again, I say to a lot of churches here in Fiji, oh, we're seen as the male Jesus. Where's the female Jesus? Because he... I represent his image through who I am and the way he's wired me and we, we need both and that's where you get what you said more fun but just uh, works better when we are together. God commissioned Adam and Eve together uh, which is really cool. Um, you know the other driving, the other really negative force I see at work here so yeah there's the Fijian culture that you know filters down then there's the porn culture as well um, which is equally as patriarchal and, and oppressive as women. Um, how do you as a young single 32-year-old guy navigate, uh, how do you live a, a single life for Jesus in a porn culture when temptation is at your fingertips? Man, that's a, that's a question that hits home for someone who has uh, struggled with this. I think number one is 
a lot of people say a, a walk with God is so important, and yes, I, I believe that. But I think almost equal to that is a set of accountability uh, partners, a community of, of young. Like for me, I have a number of maybe one or two uh, guy friends, these, these men who I confide in about my struggles, about how life is going, about my walk, how my walk with God is going. So I think it's important to have that circle of friends where you can find encouragement and you can also find rebuke. Hey, let's be honest. You know, some things, some decisions we make in life is not always right. And some are vehemently sinful. And we need a group of friends. Well, for me, I need friends who can speak truth into my life and season that with grace uh, so that I can be encouraged to continue fighting the good fight of faith. Yeah, so I think number one is accountability. You need a group of guys that you can trust. And it's not just any Tom, Dick and Harry. These are guys that know you and every, every detail, detail about your life. They know uh, your struggles and they know how to minister to you. And you to them, it's not, it doesn't go just one way. So I hope that makes sense. You need to find a, a group of young men that are able to help encourage you on your journey. Speak truth into your life. It's not all about grace. You've got to speak truth into your life and help you uh, live live out a good uh, kingdom, uh, live out a good, uh, how would I say, good Christian life. A good, mm. And I mean, it's not easy to find that, is it? And I think even so more for men, women, we gather a bit and we naturally chat. We've got a bird squawking over there. Um, and so women, I mean, for men, it's, it's even tougher to find those groups and those guys who won't just laugh and giggle at you, <laughs> but that you can really be real with. Um, on the weekend, the Fiji Sun reported, big rep there was a big story on uh, Fiji being among the top 10 countries in the world for Googling porn. Um, so how do we, I mean, you know, I, I just assume that most guys have either seen it or are watching it because I, I feel sorry for them actually. I'm not down on the guys at all. I feel um, it's a brutal culture they're living in. How how can we turn this around, do you think, in Fiji? Uh, how do we turn this around? How do we turn this around? Um, one thing I think doesn't work is creating shame around it. Uh, and I'm speaking out of um, because I don't. I, th I think I've been to places where they they just cast shame on it, which is we can all agree it's not right. Like pornography is not right, viewing porn is not right. Uh, but the more a man would feel shame about it, the more hidden things get, and that goes the same. It's the same that goes with abuse. I think for women because there's so much shame around it that they are unwilling to come out with the truth. They're unwilling to accept what has happened. They're unwilling to come forward and put it out in the open so that awareness can be created around it. So I think it, it will definitely begin in the home. And um, there's this, this man, his name is Josh. He's a, he's a writer as well, he's an author. His name is Josh McDowell. And he said, you need to have these conversations as early as you can with your children. So I think it will begin in the home and it will need, of all people, fathers. It'll need fathers to talk to their sons, their children, let's put it that way, uh, their children about what's out there, uh, the, the effects that porn uh, will have, and um, 
and how they can navigate that life moving forward because I don't think uh, I don't think we can shelter you know our children from it but we need we need to let them know that it's out there and how they can navigate that as they live life and so I think the sooner we can get that conversation going in Fijian homes the better it would be so and the men have to take charge there uh, the fathers have to take charge there and they themselves have to have seen victory in it. it will be it'll be interesting to know that many fathers are still struggling with porn so yeah but I think it'll start at home mm. Can I ask how you found victory or are still finding victory? I mean, it's a daily battle, isn't it? Yes, it's a daily battle, Leticia, and I can't say I've fully gotten there or fully arrived. But one thing I know that has really helped me along this journey is to continuously claim the truth of God's Word over my life. What does that mean and what does that look like? Sin destroys and, and keeps us away from God. We have a relationship with Him, but sin just ruins that fellowship you know, in your ability to communicate with Him and enjoy God and, it's, and, and sense Him and know Him and walk with Him and enjoy Him. So I've, th- there's one thing, and I, I've shared with this with a lot of men that I've, uh, that I've had the same exact same conversation with, is claiming truth over the lies. What porn depicts, and we can all agree, is a lies. It's, it's saying that you can get sexual gratification this easy. You can look, t- click with the click of a button. You can look at, uh, look, look at, and get off sexual activity, which is free and it will not hurt anyone. But it actually does. And the reality is, sex is uh, so. Sex is a gift. It's it's a gift by God. It takes a lot of a lot of effort to enjoy these good gifts. What, what does it uh, take to, to enjoy the gift of sex is actually marriage and commitment, see? But the world says you can get it easily. You, by the, you can get this as easy as you can. But real intimacy and real love and this gift that God gives uh, human beings, males and females, to enjoy is actually in the bonds of marriage, bonds of marriage. And that takes commitment, that takes work. That's something that is sacred and... Yes, I would say that it's claiming truth over that. So whenever you, whenever you mess up with it, claim truth that, that those are lies, this is not true intimacy, and confess truth over that. What does truth look like? It's a sexual um, sex that is glorifying to God is one that takes place in marriage. And men should never ever be ashamed of what sex is or having the sexual drive in them. See, that's another area that I think men struggle with is they think that a sexual drive is something to be ashamed of and I don't think so. It's only a pro- a, the way that it's expressed that could be sinful and shameful. But it's something that God's given us and has to be enjoyed and expressed in the safest place which is marriage. That's God's purpose. So it's claiming truth over that. Um, uh, and also experiencing God's forgiveness moment by moment. Day by day, you've got to experience that and know that, because you could feel uh, you could feel the exact opposite, but we've got to be reliant on God's word and what He says about us and how He has died on the cross for our sins, and we must know, based on God's truth, that we are forgiven. And you have—I think I mentioned this earlier—but you have your accountability group of trusted friends that you can say, "Hey." 
I need some help. Like I, it's been this amount of weeks I've been sober, and I've just messed up here. I need your prayers. I need some grace and truth. Help me, and not be ashamed of uh, ashamed to ask for help. Mm. Uh, they're really good things. How would you view women? How would I view women? Uh, oh, that's broad. Like, well, um, you attend a church, and this question is linked because I think it helps you um, win the battle over porn. Um, so you, we go to the same church when I'm in town. You've got a lot of amazing sisters in Christ. When you think of so and so, what do you? How do you view her? Man, I uh, I have this policy. I always start out as having to sometimes force myself to see them as sisters. It has to start that way and has to stay that way until I've found someone that I will eventually marry, right? But how do I view them? I view them uh, as my as my sister. And uh, it's so important as attractive as your sisters can be at church. You've got to view them as so, something a person who is more than just their physical appearance. Like this is a person with a mind, a heart and emotions, a future, a whole, like they have a career going on, they have these visions and dreams and it's so uh, so much more fulfilling if you if you were to see them that way. And I'm not saying that's all the time that I view. I'm a man. Like, like sometimes my mind drifts, my eyes drift. But I've got to remind myself that these that women are, are more than just objects. You know, they're, they're not object at all. Like it's it's wrong for me to see them as as something uh, as an object. They have a life. They have emotions. They have a heart. They have a future. And so when we, the more I see them that way, I think it develops so much more respect uh, for women in that sense. Yep. No. Well answered. Um, thank you. I think our time is up. But um, I've heard you, we've talked about being a kingdom man and I've heard out of your mouth um, humility, uh, responsibility. You you haven't tried to deflect that you're not perfect, that you haven't messed up, um, that sacrifice is part of being a kingdom man. Yes, the way we view the opposite sex is really important. Uh, They're they're creatures and dignity of Jesus Christ, aren't they? Uh, But at the same time, we're all fighting a battle and, yeah, I think... um, Pornography is probably the biggest battle um, our men and our women will face in the 21st century. It's because it's just all pervasive. But thank you, Joey, for the example that you set to um, myself and so many other people across Fiji and for all that you're doing to help young men. Any final last word to men out there? If you, uh, to all the men out there in Fiji, um, if you really want to know what it is to be a real man, uh, a kingdom man, it begins with a relationship with God. Uh, so start there. Uh, yeah, take notes and begin your journey. Easily I see your suffering I see the pain Beneath that bowl of smile Come out from hiding The sun is rising Let the islands hear reason